Hello, and welcome to Good Film Hunting, the podcast where two sisters living in different parts of the country talk with family and friends about their favorite movies from their childhood. I will turn it over to Eleanor to introduce our guest and film tonight. So our guest today is Mike Tita, who is the husband of a previous guest, Cara Nazareth. So this is actually, I think, the first husband-wife pair that we've had. I agree. I think that you guys are famous. So there, you are the most famous podcast guest. (laughs) It's been (laughs) confirmed. Um, So Mike, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, thanks for having me, and... I'm honored to follow my lovely wife. We talked about God knows what movie. Um, <laughs> it was so good. The Lady and the Tramp, was it? No, My Fair Lady. Close, my though. My Fair Lady. There we go. So, yeah. So, I, we live out here together in uh, Bethesda, which is right outside of Washington, D.C. Um, I'm a financial advisor at Merrill Lynch. We have a dog named Bailey. And now she's bad. <laughs> I love movies. That's, That's awesome. Right. Okay, so I did, I knew and I did know that your, your dog was named Bailey, but it was only now that I put it together because recently I was on a plane and watched the movie A Dog's Purpose, which isn't really a movie that's intended for me. But that As dog you hate animals. Bailey. Yeah, but that dog's name is named Bailey. That's like a whole part of it. Oh. Did you name your dog after that movie, Mike? No, I don't know how we named her. She's she's a, obviously a female, but she just kind of looked like a Bailey. She's not like her. She's kind of tough looking, so Bailey's like a, you know, a strong woman's name. Also, it was really weird for me to just call you Mike. I can't ever do it again, and I apologize. I wasn't about to say. We didn't really mention the fact that, like, to be honest, I've never really known you as anything but Tita. Yeah, even Cara doesn't call me Mike, really. She calls me Tita. Yeah, well, that's good. (laughs) Except my mom, because I can call Tita, so that gets confusing if I do. (laughs) If she yells Tita's and then everyone comes. Yeah, four heads turn. There you go. Yeah, well, that's good. (laughs) Um, Okay. Eleanor, you go ahead. So the the movie that we'll be discussing today were we're stating is a cinematic work that spans three individual episodes. What is our cinematic feature of the day? But Mike, now I'm saying Mike and it's weird, but Tito, what are we talking? What are we going to talk about today? None other than the brilliant work done by Peter Jackson based off Tolkien's brilliant novel, the Lord of the Rings. There we go. L O T R. (laughs) <laughs> sorry <laughs> wait but before we do that we need to do our first segment Annie loves this segment I so do in this segment we talk about something from the past week it can be anything that we really enjoyed okay I have like such a good one are you guys ready take the floor okay so I have a wonderful friend Katie who's actually been on the podcast before but not, like, as a full-on guest. She was more part of, like, a symposium. But anyway, Katie is a hilarious human being. And she wants to be on The Bachelor. So she and I are, like, she was creating her video. And she's, like, obsessed with this one dude who was on The Bachelorette. And he made this, like, ridiculous couple's 
um, workout video with his friend. And so we went to like a local gym and shot the same frames with her and a friend. And it is cinematic gold. I'm like an amazing camera woman, but it is so funny because we got the shots almost perfectly and she will make it on The Bachelor and I can't wait. Okay, and Tita, for a little bit of context, my family only knows this girl as Crazy Katie. <laughs> Katie, we love you. That's her complete ref right there. Yeah, I mean, like, one time she accidentally... Eleanor? ...squatted in my apartment in Los Angeles for, like, many days. <laughs> Over-exaggeration. Heads up. Well, I mean, she was there longer than Annie, who theoretically brought her. <laughs> okay, stop. Uh, okay, Tita, what was your story of the week or pop culture item of the week? So mine is actually a meme. Uh, I'm, I love memes. I think they're hilarious. Mm. I actually didn't even know what a meme was, like, definition-wise until recently. But it's, uh, it's a two-by... So picture... Um, a square, uh, four squares, I guess. And then on one axis would be uh, about smart people, about dumb people. Basically, it broke up four different shows into uh, written for dumb people, about smart people, etc. And Carr's favorite show, my wife, was Friends. And it was under, what was it, written by, written for dumb people, about smart people. Oh. <laughs> Always Sunny in Philadelphia which was about dumb people for smart people. So, <laughs> not a good. It felt, it felt nice. That's funny. I actually really like that. Yeah. I'm not a fan of either of the shows, so luckily I don't have to feel like any type of personal hurt or victory. But my favorite show being Full House, it will never probably be included on one of those. Um, Agreed. But, okay, so... I got, like, super nerdy this week, and I started this book that I'm obsessed with called The Captain Class, The Hidden Force That Creates the World's Greatest Teams by Sam Walker. And it's this book, and it's fascinating. This guy is a sports journalist, and he wanted to find out, like, of the, like, freakish teams in history. Mm. And he went back to, like, the mid-1800s, and he research project process is so funny so he like created all of these things like what constitutes a team so like how can it count and then all the time spent figuring out like what are the 16 greatest teams and then what do those 16 greatest teams have in common and then he determined that it's they have like very strong captains who might not be great athletes and might not be like objectively good people but for whatever reason have like very unifying characteristics Book. I went super nerdy. Wow. Yeah. It's yeah. really exciting. I'm learning a lot about Hungarian soccer in the 1950s, and I'm into it. You know what? That's, like, really important, so cheers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Proud of you. Proud of you. Uh, all right. So, moving into the main portion of our podcast. Tita, can you find it somewhere deep within you to describe to us (laughs) the plot that's amazing of the lord of the rings what a funny thing yeah um that's a loaded question so yeah i know i think that's so funny how 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 nerdy do we want to get here Um, so nerdy all the nerd 
Yeah. 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 So we know that the uh, obviously the movies are based on the books, and the books are kind of a in some way a sequel to some other books. Right. The Hobbit, uh, namely The Hobbit. Did The Hobbit come first? Yes. This might be a dumb question. Okay. Cool. In Tolkien's world, yeah, it came first, and. A lesser-known work called The Silmarillion. I don't know if you guys have come across that. Title. No, I love how nerdy we're getting. Yeah, so you guys asked for full nerd, so we're we're going there. Full nerd. And the only reason why I'm even bringing this up because I think it's tough to get an appreciation for for the Lord of the Rings story without without any background. So it kind of picks up this the whole story. It's kind of the end of the story, if you will. Um. And so I don't know how how deep we want, how far we want to go back here, but uh, okay, you guys love so, me now. Okay, so the cinematic feat is broken up into three distinct parts. So what ha- what's kind of the impetus behind behind the first? Yes, let's start there. Part. Yeah. So the first scene in the first movie is really probably the most important scene. Um, it, it essentially is a shorthand of the whole, well, most of the backstory behind behind the films. And that is this, there's this idea that there is this demigod named Sauron who, along with the elves, created these rings of power, and he gave these rings to different various groups. Now in Tolkien's world, you have men, and you have dwarves, and elves, and all sorts of creatures. Some of these rings to these uh, different groups. Uh, but in secret, he created the one ring and that ring had the ability to control anyone else who wore any of those other rings. And so basically allowed him to kind of manipulate them to his will. And he was hoping to use that and, you know, middle earth, which is for all, uh, for our purposes is basically earth, just, you know, the planet there or that they're that this is set in, they all band together and try to fight Sauron. Sauron is defeated, but the ring is not destroyed. And then after a whole bunch of mischief happens, the ring kind of gets lost for a long time. People forget about it. And then eventually it passes to this creature called Gollum. And Gollum's just a hot mess. He needs a... (laughs) He's eating raw fish. He's just a weirdo. And then that's really where the Hobbit comes in and where you know Bilbo Baggins finds the ring when he's lost in got in the caves of the Misty Mountains um and then Bilbo ends up getting the ring he finds the ring which Gollum had lost and so really the Lord of the Rings picks up where that backstory left off it's in the Shire with Bilbo Baggins he has the ring he doesn't know he has the one ring he just knows that he's some sort of magic ring Mm. And that's really how it how it starts. And I think that's probably the most important scene because otherwise you have no idea what these people or hobbits are doing and why they exist and and all that. So, so that's how it starts. That's a brief summary of the, of the backstory, I guess. Okay, how did you first get into, or what was your first introduction to Lord of the Rings? Um, I actually read the books first. And I didn't particularly like them. I think I read them too young. I didn't really have an appreciation for them. They're really hard to read. Like, totally. Yeah. No, it, it was only later when I, you know, actually liked the, or could, like, 
read good. Um, <laughs> that, that I liked them more because I remember like reading them and being like, this is slow and it's names and places. Um, and then I really didn't start loving it until I saw until I saw the first movie and I just absolutely loved it. Um, and did you see the first movie in theaters? Because I remember it came out when we would have been eighth graders, which was like, I think, a peak time for that sort of film. Yeah, no, I actually saw it. My, I remember I ordered Domino's. My parents went away. <laughs> I had a baked pizza, delicious. And I just was like, my parents were like, oh, you know, I loved Harry Potter. So that was like the thing back then. I loved Harry Potter. It's still a thing. I'm rereading them right now. Oh, yeah. We've, we've both read them, what, like five, six times at least. Oh, yeah. So good. But, um, yeah, so I just decided, my parents like, oh, you, you should watch Lord of the Rings. You know, the first movie had just come out maybe like six months ago. Like, wow, this is amazing. And then I was watching like trailers for the second movie. So the second and third I saw in theaters. The first I saw on my couch eating Domino's. What do you what do you think about the first one? Like, really spoke to you though, because it is. I mean, it, there's similarities to the world of Harry Potter, but it's also it is very different and it's much darker and more intense. And was that like in a way appealing? Absolutely. I think you know the thing with Lord of the Rings is that everything seems so consequential. I mean, you have this. I mean, right? You have hobbits, which is light and it starts off fairly slow and and all that, but for most of the people, as I should say in these movies, they're of the opinion that there is no hope, that no matter what, I mean, Sauron is going to, to win eventually, this matter of time, try to basically survive. And so the kind of courage to stand in the, in the light of basically having very little hope is... Uh, it was just, I don't know, it was just inspirational to me, and I just really fell in love with the storyline. Well, I think that it's a very classic tale, in, similar to Harry Potter, in a sense where there's a very clear delineation between good and evil. Um, but within that, like, your hero has to fight to be the good. Like, it's not so clear-cut, right? So, like, Frodo constantly has to kind of reassess and reaffirm that he's a good person who doesn't want the ring for... Um, like selfish reasons, you know, which I think is very similar to Harry Potter as a character because Harry is constantly fighting against being um, just like kind of floating on the laurels of like being Harry Potter. Um, so I don't know. I think that you can draw a lot of connections between the two, actually. So it makes sense that if you like were really into one, you'd like the other. But okay, can we like jump forward for like a hot second to the third movie? Okay. So I remember, like, so, so concretely being in the theater, watching this movie, and, like, being into it. I think I was entertained. And then the movie would not end. There are, like, six fake endings where they, like, pan out to black, and you think it's over, but it's not. And it just keeps going. And I'm, like, still upset about it. Um, because Why? Because then it... Because doesn't it really end with Samwise Gamgee talking about kind of like the overall thematic importance what of the ring? What do you mean? I thought, I, the, in my recollection of the ending, it's like 
Frodo's gone. It's Samwise Gamgee. He's back with his family, and he's, like, looking off into the distance, and he's, like, getting emotional. Well, yeah. No, that is how it ends. But before then, there are, like, four different blackouts. Yeah. No, you're absolutely, there are. There, right? There's a scene at, uh, at Minas Tirith when Aragorn is crowned king. There's um, the scene where Frodo leaves with Gandalf and Bilbo. They go on the boat. There's a, there's a few endings. And actually, the actor who plays Frodo um, at the premiere of the third movie, Jack came out, left early, and he said, uh, and I guess uh, Elijah Wood, that's it. Yes. yes. Elijah Wood goes, hey, you know, what are you doing? He's like, I don't know, did you die or something? <laughs> said, no, didn't you watch the ending? He's like, no, it's too many endings. I walked out. So it's uh, that was a very common word because too many. Really? Yeah, there's the whole, yeah. So. It was too much. To, uh, to handle that. Have you watched the movies from beginning to end? Like, in a single day? Oh, by the way, I only watch the extended edition, so. Obviously. Yeah, I, I don't deal with that normal <laughs> normal edition. <laughs> yeah, I, I told you, I think we had the, um, the Lord of the Rings party where we all cooked, you know, Hobbit meals and it was like a 12-hour marathon. started like 8 in the morning. People didn't leave till like 9 at night. What were Hobbit meals? <laughs> Let's get into that, <laughs> Cheetah. What does this entail? So in the book, the Hobbits love their food, right? That's like their yes. thing. You know, they say, oh, we're neither renowned warriors or, you know, particularly bright. But they know food, they know booze, and they know their pipe weed, which... I think it's more like tobacco. Mm. Yes. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah. And Mary and Pippin are always trying to smoke. They're always uh, looking for their leaf. But <laughs> <laughs> they, they're all, so they, they always talk about their meals. So they have first breakfast, which I think we had eggs and tomatoes. Second breakfast, not to be confused, which is about one hour later, which we had, I don't know, toast and sausages or something like that. And then you have eleven seas, which is kind of <laughs> which we had some sort of uh, lemba. We had the lemba spread, which is the elven bread. Um, and then you have luncheon, afternoon tea, dinner, and supper. And we had so it's like seven meals. So we were all like in a food coma watching Lord, uh, Lord of the Rings for about twelve hours. Wow, it was fun. I will say that is. I mean. Hilarious. I know a lot of people who have seen it in a single go. I remember particularly sophomore year of college, my roommates were doing that. And I very much was like, I cannot be in this space. Like, this is not a space for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, but here, but I will say this, like, have you been to New Zealand? No. Are you planning a New Zealand trip? It's on our bucket list, I believe. We were thinking of going there for a honeymoon, but we settled in Iceland. Uh, okay. Yeah, I mean, because like, I traveled in New Zealand, and it was incredible. And now Lord of the Rings is such a part of kind of their, like, cultural identity that it's fascinating. And and, and I climbed, Mount, like, Mordor, and it was, like, really cool, so I got into it. Wait, um, okay, can we also – Eleanor, sorry, are you done with your story? fine yeah i'm done no if you weren't done i would let you go 
No, I'm fine. We're done. Okay. <laughs> well, I was just going to say that one of the funniest things about the Lord of the Rings trilogy for me is the last one at the... Um, I thought it was one of the most wonderful one-liners at any Oscars ever, and it has stuck with me, and I still remember. I think it was Chris Rock who was the host of the Oscars when the last Lord of the Rings was up for everything. And at one point, he just comes out, and he's like, we want it to be noted that everyone in New Zealand has now been thanked. <laughs> because they would all get up there, and they'd be like, and this person, and this person, and that community. And I still think it's really funny. Yeah, they won, what, like 11 or something? Yeah, it was a lot for Return of the King. Do you have a, do you have a favorite of the three? Book or movie? Um, ooh, the difference. Okay, book. Tell us first book and then movie. Um, probably third movie. Second book, third movie. Okay. Why? So this is a film podcast. So what is it about the third movie that makes it so powerful, important for you, especially as compared to that it's not your favorite book? Um, it's just like more of everything, right? It's like the culmination of lots of interesting stories. So for me, I was always fascinated by, by Rohan, which is, you know, kind of like a feudal kingdom of free men and they're not particularly powerful and they're not very noteworthy. And here they are kind of riding into battle. They kind of save Gondor, who's like the superior, they have this like glorious charge and like they're the saviors and kind of fulfilling their destiny in a way you also have obviously frodo in the ring frodo can't actually destroy the ring but it takes kind of like an accident by Gollum to destroy it and then you know to see kind of the or the just pure joy on you know his friends faces when they figured out that he destroyed the ring um, there's just lots of powerful, you know, Aragorn. So there's, there's so many kind of climax at the same time. It's just really, it's nice. Although I do agree that for movies purposes, there are too many endings. Yeah. I mean, I do think that we should touch upon for a second, and this happens, I know, in both the book and the movie, even though I haven't read the book, but I have a very good friend who's, like, obsessed with this scene in both the book and the movie, and I do think it's, like, the most important of the trilogies when, um... It's, like, really Sam's decision to be a good friend that, like, saves the world. Like, yes, Frodo's the one who, like, drops the ring into um, wherever he drops it. I forget. But, um, like, Sam talks him into it, basically. Like, there's that beautiful scene as they're walking up the mountain and, like, Frodo's like, no, blah, 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 I'm going to keep it for myself. And Sam is, like... I don't know. It's just it's. I love that scene. I don't know if you guys know what I'm talking about. Maybe not. Yeah, no. I think it's like a theme throughout the whole, the whole trilogy. Really, is you know, Frodo is carrying this burden, right? As the answer to his goal, you know, the ring really takes hold of him, and he becomes almost like, just like zombie almost by the end. Um, and then Sam is really just kind of trying to keep him on track and doing everything he within his power and you know here's this fat the shire 
who is navigating a zombie basically through the most dangerous place on in their world. The look on Sam's face when he realizes that Frodo can't actually destroy him. And yes. He mm. yeah. the ring and he realizes that it was all for nothing is like the most depressing. I feel so bad for Sam. I know. He's like, I think that out of any character I've seen in, I mean, I don't know, maybe, maybe that's a lot, but he is one of the best examples of true friendship, I would say, in literature. Like, he is just so giving and so loyal. And it's for the other. It's right. For, yeah, it's outside of himself. Right. Okay. But then, this is a question, I, like a nerd question I have, is I know there's been a lot written about, like, symbolism and possible, like, different storylines that Tolkien was trying to communicate through this work. Do you believe any of that? If so, like, do you ascribe to a particular, like, myth or creation story that's often put upon Lord of the Rings? Or what are your thoughts on kind of, like, the larger philosophical conversations that surround this series? Now, now we're talking. Um, <laughs> so actually, the, the book I referenced earlier, The Sumerian, is basically, well, the first part of it is cosmology. It's his theology. He has, you know, there's one creator, and then there's a whole pyramid of gods or other deities. And, you know, Sauron is, is one of these at, at the bottom, and, you know, his, bo his boss, I guess, was, a, you know, a pretty bad guy in that book. And then Gandalf is one of those. But so he has like a pretty clear cosmology. And the reason why I say it's so movies and the book's so much more enjoyable is because you kind of have that background. You're not just kind of like, well, how does Gandalf come back from the dead? Like that. Yeah. Or, the, or that's cheesy. Like, oh, you just brought him back for the movie. Like that's stupid. But then if you have the background, you're like, oh, wait, it's, there's actually other forces going on here. It's, you know, more sense, you know, as much as I can, it's still fantasy, but um, there's at least logical in, in that world. Um, and then symbolism, I mean, Tolkien talks talk a lot about it. Time, right? He was writing kind of when uh, it was like the Soviet Union, was, you know, is this is Mordor a symbol for communism and all this and he basically denied it. The only thing he really said, and I, I really love, is that that Rohan was a great prehistory for England. So England is one of the few countries in Europe that doesn't really have English have Beowulf, and various other countries have other like kind of prehistories. They're not real history. They're just kind of like legend or myth. So Tolkien wanted the story of Rohan to kind of be his idea of England's prehistory. Oh. So it's kind of set in a world that, you know, on, on one level it seems, you know, pretty familiar. There's, you know, they, people band together in small towns and even cities. Supernatural elements like magic and weird creatures. Um, I thought that was kind of a great great way to showcase England's prehistory. I don't know enough about England pre... I need to read more. 
But okay. There's nothing, there's nothing really. I mean, they were. <clears throat> there's nothing we have that we have. Okay, question for you, Tita. Because I really appreciate your nerd nerd dumb and how much how well you know this. I'm wondering if it has translated into like adulthood. Like, would you consider yourself like a Game of Thrones fan? Like, do you know as much about Westeros? That's that world, right? That you do about the Lord of the Rings. Uh, definitely not. I I, I like Game of Thrones. The, uh, the show, it's awesome. Actually, me and my wife are, are catching up together. She loves it. Uh, I tried, read the books. I read the first. I I just couldn't. Uh, you know, I wasn't a huge fan. I thought they were just okay. The world is, uh, it's certainly interesting. It's much more, like, believable. It's <laughs> raw. Um, whereas Lord of the Rings, there are people are a bit more ideal, idealized, I guess. You know, there's not much um, <laughs> this human nonsense going on that uh, Tolkien uses is way different than the language in, <laughs> in Game of Thrones. Obviously, right. it's on HBO, so. Uh, no, yeah. I mean, I like Game of Thrones, but no. I no. wouldn't say as much. Okay, here's my thing with Game of Thrones, though, that, like, kind of... Okay, so, it's not that I hate Game of Thrones, it's that I have a hard time watching it, because I feel like... I have a hard time watching and accepting that we as a society, like, are totally cool with watching as much violence and, like, particularly against women as there is in Game of Thrones. Like, it seems weird to me that we're like, yeah, culturally, this is our thing, you know? So that scares me. But beyond that, people are always, um, well, some people, I wouldn't say all people, but some people are like, well, you know, like, you just have to realize that it's, like, part of the time period that it's, like... You know, just like back in the olden days, these things happen. And I'm always like, it's an imagined universe, people. Like, it's not history. It was never said at any particular time. And what I kind of enjoy about, and, and like, I have that criticism of Game of Thrones, but I think that Lord of the Rings is kind of outside of that because it, 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 it does kind of like have this like old feel, but he never tries to put it in one particular historical moment, if that makes any sense. Like it's definitely not an imagined history. It's like a completely separate world. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I hate and people say that. Tolkien actually, you know, if you think about the most powerful person in Middle Earth is really a woman. It's um, the elf, the Galadriel. Um, and the person, the woman who, who kills Sauron's uh, in the book and the movies is also a woman. And so, two strong female protagonists, not as many as men, but, you know, I think he was trying to keep it somewhat. So, yeah, um, it's also like he was writing in, what, the 1950s, so that would have been... I mean, he was a product of his time. Yeah. I mean, while we can love Tolkien, it's not like he, you know, necessarily was yeah. thinking progressively because he wasn't called on to do that. Um, anyway, okay. Okay. Sorry, Eleanor, go ahead. Do you think ahead. it's religious? Do you think it's a religious story? Huh. There are certainly religious undertones, obviously. Um, especially in the context of his other works. And he was good friends with 
So I don't know if you guys have heard of him. He's the guy who wrote, like, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe oh, and all that. Oh, for sure, for sure. Very religious guy. Um, he was more inspired by language, so he's, so the reason, so his cultures are all based that he created. That's why, like, you can get super nerdy with Lord of the Rings, learn all these different languages, like Elvish and all this. But all the cultures are based off and uh, syntax of the language, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, definitely has a little But not like in your face, oh, but like there are other forces out there and they're kind of in some ways battling together or working together to shape, shape our world. I have another question. If you had to get a tattoo of some phrase from Lord of the Rings, what would the phrase be? And which Lord of the Rings language would you select it in? Oh, man. <laughs> I know people who have Lord of the Rings tattoos. That's why I find it fascinating. Oh, that's so funny. Where is it? <laughs> um, face, face tattoo? Or are we talking like... Yeah, like if you got like a... Full on, you wanted to really get into the Kiwi spirit, go full Maori. Uh, would you, I know, also, I know one couple who, like, on their ring finger did the one ring to bind them. I was like, interesting choice. Yeah, is it? Yeah. <laughs> you, didn't, you couldn't talk Kara into that. You know, Kara wants a tattoo, or at least she, she says she does. I don't know what she'd get. Um, I feel like to have a tattoo... For me, I would like someone close to me would have to die or something like that. Something terrible would have to happen to me. And then, <laughs> like, I'm just not cool enough, and nothing interesting has happened in my life where I'd be like, "Oh, I need a daily reminder of that really awful or cool thing that happens." I like kind but, of love that you're like, "I will submit myself to this terrible thing if someone dies." Yeah, <laughs> yeah if someone dies, then I'll get a tattoo. That, that's a good way to. Remember remind yourself that you're dead, I guess. Um, <laughs> if I had to do one, I would probably do, um, I would probably do the, the one ring. So one ring to rule them all, one ring to find them, one ring to bring them all and in darkness find them. And it's kind of creepy and weird, but it's also probably the most memorable one, but it's stanza. And yeah. I'll, I would write it in tradition of the elm, because that's what Mordor. beautiful scripts. Mm. Really beautiful scripts. Okay, do you have a favorite character? Yes. I have a favorite character, and his name is Sam. <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming it's Samwise Gamgee and not just like a random orc no, name, Sam. Sam? Okay, okay. At the beginning of the movie. Gets everyone drinks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Good. Good. Good to know. Uh, That's a okay. yeah. I mean, Sam is my favorite character too, Tita. So we got that going. Um. Okay. But we. Okay. We kind of should wrap this up because I'm looking at the time, and not only because I'm tired, but because our listeners have things to do. <laughs> but I am wait, tired. Uh, Sorry. Wait, Elder. Go ahead. Did you have another question? No, but it, I do really want to talk about, like, the leg legacy and relevance because I think that for these movies is so important, especially now, because for whatever reason, even though Return of the King came out in 2003, oh, for me, 
to a certain extent, it feels as if these movies are much more current than that. It doesn't feel as if this movie was released when I was in high, like early in high school. It feels as if, and I, I'm starting to feel that way about music too. Um, like one of my Uber drivers played Spears and then it was only then that I realized that song came out in like 2000. And I was like, oh, it feels like maybe at most five years ago. Um, but do we think that this idea of Lord of the Rings uh, in its current iteration um, feels so new because we've continued to have like Hobbit movies split up into three? Or do we think that this is kind of the penultimate Lord of the Rings movie series never to be repeated? Like will in 30 years, 50 years, 20 years, Will some other director take a stab at creating these worlds? Or is this kind of like one and done? I mean, no, I would definitely say that in the future, there's going to be a director who takes another shot and maybe a different perspective. Um, and I think, I mean, as good as the movies are, in my opinion, you know, there's definitely room for improvement. I mean, the movies now at an older age, when I was a kid, I, I love the action scenes, but it's, it is more of an action-y movie um, than it really is, and it's than it really should be, in my opinion. It, it should. It's more of about an adventure story. Um, so yeah, I mean, listen, I don't know what it's going to look like. If history tells us anything, it'll probably be even more action because I saw the Hobbit movies, and those movies were terrible. They and were all fights and just. I don't know how you make three films out of a two hundred and fifty-page book, but. <laughs> That's what they did. They just filled it all with action scenes. So I'm sure they will. These movies are great. I mean, I don't know what their longevity is. The books will always be around because they're fantastic. But I'm sure there'll be another remake in probably not even 30 years, probably more like 20. See, okay, I disagree. And here's my my reason why. Um, I, from working with children right now in this like very digital age they don't have the attention span that even our generation has so like none of them are reading these books and i have suggested it to really good readers that i have who i actually think are you know are interested in fantasy and would be interested in the world and they look at me i hand them the book and they're just like this is too long like i have i don't want anything to do with that and i'm and i'm not saying that's a good thing i'm just saying that like that's where it is so i'm not sure that these movies will ever be remade because i'm not sure that there's going to be sustained interest yes like i'm not sure but, sorry you know, i wouldn't have, i wouldn't have thought that before these movies were released anyway and that was just because realistically like this is not this is not a series that would be naturally appealing to our family. And granted, like especially our little brother got really into it. But I like our dad. I don't think ever read Lord of the Rings. Our mom did not read Lord of the Rings. Our cousins aren't super into it. But I think this was one of those series that brought out of the woodwork so many people for whom this series was like deeply personal. Okay. And like connected to family. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I. Listen, I agree with you, Annie. I think, you know, our attention spans are probably only going to get shorter, and Lord of the Rings is not, is not for people who don't want to spend, you know, 20 pages with no dialogue or no action happening. It's, I could definitely see it going both ways, and I hope, I hope it doesn't go, go away. I love it. 
<laughs> we'll still be out there. Just we'll be playing. Exactly. We'll be <laughs> asking host, for you'll it. You'll be hosting your habit habit food days. They oh, yeah. sound amazing, and now I want to join. Next time oh. you have one, Eleanor Perfect. and I will fly in. Yeah. We can That's podcast fun. from the Hobbit Food Day. Yeah, just like a live stream of everyone's thoughts and opinions for twelve hours. <laughs> That's what everybody wants. <laughs> well, Cara hates the. Uh, that doesn't. I wouldn't say hate hates the movies, but she. She's, a she's over them. Yeah, especially by the last one. The last one's like four. The extended edition's like four and a half hours. Yeah, it's so long. It is so long. Yeah. Okay, so we end our discussions of the film by asking ourselves whether or not this movie is still relevant today. Like, for like, should kids today be watching these movies? And if so, why? Or if not, why not? Yeah, man. I mean, I don't want to seem too old. How, how many? It's been 14 years since the last one came out. Isn't it crazy? Yeah, no, it is, it is sad. Um, yeah, I definitely think kids should should see the movies. I mean, not too young. There there is some violence there, but um, it's a great story. It's pretty simple to pick up in the movies. They make it very clear, you know, kind of good versus evil type thing. Um, they don't overload you with names and stuff like that. It's a very cool world that different types of people, whether you know. So, yeah, I would definitely think that it's relevant today. Hopefully 20 years from now it's still relevant. And I would agree for slightly different reasons, in large part because I do think this is one of those series, similar even to where people watched it, got into it, and then because of the watching process, then started reading um, and then going beyond and exploring. And then purely for a travel reason, I do think... It's now fascinating to look at the film through the lens of what it means for New Zealand culture and how New Zealand has like made its mark on the film and how the films have made its mark on New Zealand. And so just as a way to get people interested in different places in the world and the recognition that though there is a lot of CGI and animation in the film, like the physical geography that is present is stunning and actually exists on the earth. Yeah, and the music's amazing. I, you have to mention. That's true. <laughs> so I would say that kids today should watch this movie. Um, I think you'd have to to. I almost would say it has to be a particular like, particularly interested kid in fantasy because again, like, lessened attention spans. Like it could go very south very quickly if they're either too young or like whatever, and then they'll just end up painting it. But I do think it's a really beautiful story about friendship. Like, I think that that's at the heart of it, at a lot of it. And so I think that's a great message to give to kids today. So, yeah, I'll say yeah. L-O-T-R approved by Good Film Hunting. Dun, dun, dun. Um, Okay, so we close out our podcast here, Tita, by asking ourselves where in the world we'd want to go right now. Um, if we could go anywhere. So, no restrictions at all. Wow. Um, so, here in D.C., we've been dealing with that 90-degree heat, feels like, since April. So, I'm looking to go cold. And since I've been to Iceland, I am going to choose... I'm going to choose... Oh. 
I'm going to choose Northern China. Oh. Yeah. That's cool. Very ancient culture, interesting history, lots to see, hopefully good food. I'm not sure what the food really is like. Oh, I'm sure it's delicious. Yeah. Yeah, like Harvin? I've never That's thought of going to northern China, and now I really want to go. <laughs> yeah. You've talked me into it, Tita. <laughs> that was a really easy sell. <laughs> yeah, you, you got us. You got us. I know both of us are like, wow. Northern China. Okay, yeah. Eleanor? Um, I'm going to say Hungary because I would love to learn more about the 1956 Hungarian football team. Okay. Honestly, it's fascinating. You are and I also already deeply cared about the 1956 Hungarian water polo team, um, particularly because of its Olympic match in Melbourne that year at the Olympics. Okay. Like your level of nerdiness is like untoward. Also, I cannot believe, I'm just realizing this now, neither one of us said the fact that Kate Middleton is pregnant as our thing of the week, and I'm, like, appalled at the both of us. But that's okay. We have to move on. Um, if I could go anywhere, I would go to New Zealand. All of this talk about how beautiful it is, um, and, and like, imagining the scenes from the movie again, like, I want to go see that. And I've wanted to go for a while, Tita. Eleanor can attest. It's been, like, I don't know. A year and a half, yeah, maybe? Yeah, it's been on the works. So, I really want to go. I'll go with you. Perf. Northern China and New Zealand. The perfect match. They're close, right? I think. I don't know. So close. <laughs> Same. I mean, it's like, uh, hemisphere. Yeah. You could say that. Yeah. And we could just do a bunch of hiking. Anyway. And we could sip tea in Hobbiton. Yes! Yes. I don't drink, but I'll drink some booze. Get the beer. Okay. I don't really drink no, because my body, like, hates me right now. And I'm afraid yeah. if I drink that I'll just end up face down on the floor somewhere, unable to move. Yeah, you'll be dead for sure. Yeah. For sure. My, my body's just rejecting any, everything. Anyways, um, Tita, this was so fun. Thank you for sharing all of your wisdom about LOTR. I knew none of it, so... Impressed. You know a lot. Like, you know a lot. Yeah, about I'm super impressed. Yeah, I just have to say, we could have gone on for three hours and <laughs> had a great time. And I'm sorry for boring all your listeners with nerdy Lord of the Rings talk. But no. I loved every minute this of it. This will probably be our most popular episode. That's always how it works. It's so true. And we'll probably have to have you on again to, like, complete the nerd dumb. Because there's obviously, I have more questions absolutely and then like even to split it up because we didn't really talk about the fellowship of the ring which i realized neither is neither of your favorites but like is my favorite um and then just real fast this is an important question and you we only have to respond with a yay or nay the hobbit three-part film series by peter jackson yay or nay 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 okay that was what i needed (laughs) okay well listeners thank you for listening you can find us on instagram and twitter and you can email us and on facebook um we've been like super progressive on facebook recently and i love it so follow us and um yeah see you guys soon bye